This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, parents, Happy New Year, and welcome to probably the final podcast of 2018 as we move into 2019 of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. My name is Tim Wright, and I'm here along with Dr. Michael Gurian. Michael, Happy New Year. Oh, thank you. Happy New Year to you. And we want to say, again, just Happy New Year to each and every one of you. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you're new to the show, we hope that you will not only enjoy the experience, but you'll go on to our website, wonderofparenting.com, and subscribe. Uh, you can also use that website uh, to email us a question. And we would be more than happy to uh, use uh, questions uh, as a part of our podcast in upcoming uh, episodes. We'd love to be able to talk with you and chat with you about that. And uh, today what we're going to do, uh, because it's the second holiday edition in a row, we did Christmas last weekend, is we're going to just talk about some healthy New Year's resolutions that can help you raise wonder-filled children. And essentially what we're going to do, I'm just going to throw out a few things and let Michael talk about them briefly uh, from a brain science perspective, why these things are important, how they'll help your children. Some of the things we've already talked about, uh, and they're in past episodes, some of the things we're going to be talking about in the year ahead. And so today is it's kind of a, an appetizer uh, of uh, some of the things coming up, or if you haven't heard some of our previous podcasts, uh, hopefully the incentive to go on back and do that. So, Michael, we're going to look at some uh, resolutions, some things that uh, might be really good uh, to embed into our children as we move into 2019. So you ready? I am ready. All right. Here we go. Here's the first one. Now, we did three podcasts on this, so I don't think we need to say an awful lot, but let's just summarize what we talked about there. The first resolution is this, to limit screen time for your kids in 2019. Oh, what a great resolution. <laughs> should should, I, should we talk about why? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just give us, just give us you know, two or three sound bites on why that's yeah. important. Yeah, this is this could be the most important thing that people do in the next in this next year. Um, the screen time, as we've been discussing, the screen time itself is affecting the brain. So if a child, you know, we we always have to pick an age, but if a child is eight and is already three hours in front of a screen, that's that could already potentially have issues uh, for the brain. Five hours absolutely would. So the screen time itself is an issue. And then when you limit screen time, you also get rid of some stuff that you don't really need in the child's life. Stuff that's valueless or doesn't really give out good values. Um, stuff that even could be dangerous for the brain. So yes, I, I would beg people to do that one. And, and, and just as a rule of thumb, um, I know each age is a little bit different, but if, if you were a parent, um, how much time uh, a day or a week would you allow your, let's say, a, an elementary school child to be on the screen for just playtime? This is not a homework time. This is just mindless screen time. Yeah, actually, for an elementary age child, I would say that screen entertainment is not a right. And so as little entertainment on screens as possible. 
uh, because screens will be probably needed in some school settings um, because maybe they have laptop or they have, um, you know, they're using iPads in a school setting. Um, uh, so they already are getting screen time, you know, for education in the school setting, let's say. Uh, so little or none for entertainment. Now, having said that, you know, kids are going to watch something, but uh, but we got to remember that entertainment via screens is inferior kind of entertainment for the brain. So uh, rather have them, rather than being in front of a screen for two hours in the afternoon, have them outside or doing things with others, rather than having watching you know, maybe a half hour they watch something, okay. But instead of two hours in the evening watching something or playing a game, um, you know, no video games during the weeknight for elementary age and no video games really for um, elementary kids who are younger. Uh, they, we want to have them doing things, doing projects relating to mom, dad, to siblings, etc. cetera. Uh, so I, I, I just want to say that, that entertainment via screens for those age kids is really not necessary and can be unhelpful for brain development. And we, again, we did three podcasts on this, and you can find those. And um, so we go much more deeply into that topic. And Michael talks about this in both of his books, Saving Our Sons and the Minds of Girls. So we encourage you to pick those up. Second one, and we're going to be talking about this in 2019 at some point. We'll do a whole episode on this. Watch out for neurotoxins. Oh, yeah. Okay, so um, I'll say briefly, but yes, the minds of girls... And Saving Our Sons has whole sections on environmental neurotoxins. So really quick, these are the things that are in plastic, uh, especially when plastic gets heated up out in the sun, let's say. Um, this, these are things that are in food that is not organic or food that you know has chemicals in it, obviously. Pesticides, uh, any of those things, a lot of drinks, junk food, um, pop. So there are environmental neurotoxins in, in a lot of this stuff. And there's also uh, just basic pollution. And what the environmental neurotoxins do is um, they attack the cells. And they're part of why a lot of depression and anxiety, for instance, is getting triggered in these generations. So these children's generations, uh, your children's generation, right? That's getting triggered. A lot of why it's getting triggered is that these neurotoxins are triggering the genes for this. And once those genes are triggered, it's obviously it's a lifelong battle. So um, just beware of them, learn more about them. And as you learn more about them, do baby steps each week, cut out, you know, cut out inorganic lettuce this week, cut out pop next week, uh, cut out junk food the week after, you know, so that six months down the line, you realize, wow, my kids are not taking in any more of these neurotoxins, at least not in my house. So, so a healthy diet is uh, really good, not always easy, but really good for our kids. Yep. Uh, third, let your kids play. Yeah, yeah, uh, so big. So we went through a phase in a cult in our culture, I think, of trying to organize play a lot. But but um, um, you know, I think intuitively, a lot of us were suspicious of that. And now we do have a great research showing that we need we need both. I mean, obviously, organizing some play is great, but a lot of play in which we don't intervene and which we don't organize and especially in which adults don't organize it, is crucial for the developing brains of kids because play is a form of brain work. And so the brain is going to work if it's playing and um, and and it's enjoying the work because <laughs> it's playing. So if we don't intervene a lot, I mean, if a child's in danger, we'll intervene. But, 
But if, if, if the play is just happening, let it happen. Let the kids problem solve themselves. Let their brains work themselves. Let them develop more language skills. And a kind of a hidden thing people often, we often miss is that, um, that the kids who have uh, uh, non-intervening play, so in other words, more free play, they actually develop better literacy. So I have, mm. I have these studies in my books, and you can look at the endnotes. Folks can look at the endnotes and find them. And, and people were trying to figure out, well, why is that? Why, why is that that there's a little better literacy, better language use uh, in kids who have more free play? And we think the, the reason is that they're just, their pathway development is better because they're in more free play, and they don't have adults doing the work. Right, the adults who intervene are generally doing the work. Well, if the kids are free playing, there are no adults doing the work for them. They have to do the brain work themselves. So that's kind of why we think that's going on. But but all the way across the board, it's healthy to have free play. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And, and that includes uh, advocating for recess time in your child's school if the, chi- if the school does not have a lot of recess. Yeah, that's a great resolution. If your kids are in a school that doesn't have uh, a lot of recess or any recess, what you, what you can absolutely know is that a lot of the kids in that school uh, are not going to learn as well. Um, and that kid could be yours, are not going to be lear- learning as well without recess. Uh, the concept that if you cut away recess, right, there'll be more time to take tests and to perform better, that concept is incorrect. Uh, actually, the body needs to move around. It needs more oxygen to the brain. All sorts of reasons why recess is good and why schools that have recess uh, are healthier schools uh, and more successful schools. And that, of course, goes along with the uh, limiting screen time. The more that kids are out playing, using their imaginations and problem solving, uh, the less time they're going to be sitting on screens doing, you know, some problem solving sometimes, but a lot of passive uh, inactivity. And, of course, they're not burning calories uh, when they're uh, on screens either. So it's, it's healthy even just physically for our kids to be out playing. Um, yep. This yep. this next resolution kind of goes with this, but it's got a little different nuance to it, so I'll tease that out a bit. This one is let your child be a child. And by that I mean there, are, there seems to be, uh, at least for some parents, this pressure to get their kids to grow up fast, um, maybe at times to get their kids to problem solve when they're not really ready for problem solving. They need the security of mom and dad to come along and be mom and dad. Um, some of the parents who, you know, are, are looking at preschools, uh, to get their kids ready to go to Harvard and, uh, you, and, and creating sometimes these overstructured play times. So it goes along with play, but it's a bit more than that. It's recognizing that our children are children and let them develop as such. Yeah, that's, that's a really, it's a subtle one actually, and a very important one because our, our job as parents 
is is to mature is to mature our kids right our jobs as parents is to make sure that our kids mature into uh into independent adults um and we may ironically be retarding that by trying to push them to do things that are not developmentally appropriate and you you um, mentioned something about reading so that's a really good example of this when we when we think to ourselves i want the kid to go to harvard so he better read at four but his brain is not set for that his brain is actually set to read start reading well at six um that causes injury right to his development and we may end up with a kid who is is less mature than we want later so we've got to be developmental and um, and challenge each child to mature within the, the developmental frameworks that are appropriate for this child's personality, also for sex on the brain and gender. That you know that's another thing hardwired in uh, for whatever are the child's assets and liabilities, personality-wise. We've got to assess all of that and nurture the nature of the child. And nurturing the nature of the child is going to mean that we study this child, figure out who this child is, and give the child the the challenges and the comforts that are appropriate for the developmental moments of this child. So we can't be thinking social trends. We can't be thinking, hmm, um, my child has to be doing blank at this time uh, necessarily. We, we actually, I don't think, want to think that way. We want to think more of a nurture-the-nature approach. Right. And I think that the pressure comes from parents uh, somewhat internally, but really externally. There just seems to be so much pressure on parents today to get their kids ready for this, to get their kids ready for that. And, um, and, and we've seen, you know, the uptick in kids who are stressed out and, and there is something about just letting our kids be kids, uh, you know, be rambunctious, uh, play, not do homework all day long. Uh, and I find even as a grandparent, um, you know, when my, when my grandkids, they're all under the age of 10 are acting like kids who are all under the age of 10 I need to let them act like kids who are under the age of 10 and not expect them to act like teenagers or, or, you know, 20 year olds. And, uh, and that's not always easy. Now that doesn't mean I don't teach them values. It doesn't mean that I don't uh, use these teaching moments to say, well, that's not how we behave, but man, they're kids. And, uh, you know, to let them simply be kids and enjoy the wonder of being a child, you just don't get those years back. And so we want to let them, let them go. Yeah. Well said. All right, um, I got two more. Uh, this next one is to build resilience in your children through affirmation. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. See, I was thinking you were going to say through challenge, but yeah. uh, I like that through affirmation. Well, it, it's just so healthy to to, uh, and I'm going to add to affirmation, challenge, and then affirmation. Yes, um, I think you they're know, both. I think they're the both. Both. Things. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it is both. I mean, we have to affirm. So what do we mean by affirmation? So you and I know what each other means, but sometimes people sometimes people would say, like, good job. Saying good job all the time is affirmation, right? right. right? And I think what you and I mean might be more nuanced. Um, uh, like, good job is obviously a good thing to say if, if mm-hmm. um, it, it feels good, so it's good. But it can be overdone. If the child hasn't hasn't really done anything or performed or met a challenge, so, so we want to affirm in two ways. We want to affirm that we unconditionally love a child, yes. and that is really great for the child. And as an actor in the world, we really want to affirm what the child does well. Yes. And not just a. Aff- uh, so we have to do two things at once. We have to unconditionally love and affirm, and we have to not do that. We have to conditionally affirm uh, when things are have to do with performance, not with you know the basic self. 
Um, so when it comes to do with performance or doing things well or not doing things well, we want to affirm when the child does things well. And that means setting challenges for the child and not coddling or comforting the child all the time, but setting challenges. And then as the child meets those expectations and challenges, then affirming. And all the good research on praise, as people may know, all that good research says, don't praise all the time. If right. you praise all the time, you just ruin this kid. What you want to do is praise for things that deserve praise. So we're saying two things. Unconditional love is unconditional love. That's, that is a given. We affirm yep. that. And then this other thing is based on challenge, accomplishment, expectation, values, teaching, um, that kind of affirmation. Yep. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I see affirmation uh, or unconditional love as really the foundation. You root your children, your child, your children in that unconditional love, and then that gives them the freedom to live life knowing that they're loved, to make mistakes, and to learn from those mistakes. It gives you the freedom to um, affirm you know, things that they do well and to challenge things that they don't do well because you know at the core uh, you love that child and that child knows that you love them. And it's so it's so important, especially I think of, um, and we'll do a whole deal on this at some point, but, but sons who need that, um, that I'm proud of you affirmation from their dads. Um, cause so many boys grow up, uh, never hearing that. And then they spend the rest of their lives trying to prove to someone that they're worthy of dad's love. So we always want our kids to know that they're loved and then to challenge them and affirm them based on that love. Yeah. Saying I'm proud of you, uh, it's just amazing for an yep. eight-year-old, a 10-year-old. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this last one will sound like a religious statement, but it's not religious, so it's going to be nuanced. But this would be tend to your child's spiritual life. Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, I, and it could be religious. For those folks who are religious, right. it's awesome. Yep. And, and for those folks who are not, um, uh, spirit is universal. And that's what you're tapping into there. Yes. Uh, soul and spirit, self with a capital S. I mean, however people do it, uh, even atheists know there's something inside of us that's special and that drives us and that connects us to the whole universe, to all of time and all of space and all of nature and all that is. And we, we want to tap into that because that is a great resource. So when people, when kids don't get out in nature, um, they're not tapping into that. Right. They can't really tap into that um, by staring into a screen. You know, they have to be in a place where they're, they're vibrating with what is elemental and what is primal. And um, uh, so however people would define that, I think that is something to resolve this year. If you feel like your child doesn't have as much spiritual life, however you define that, doesn't have as much spiritual life as he or she needs, I, I would focus on it, even if that means, and I'm going to tell a little story here, even if that means you push yourself uh, or get pushed back toward a religion for, for helping with values and spirit. And like with my kids, we were not deeply involved in Judaism 
um, I'm always Jewish, but not deeply involved in the religion until it was my kids who said, we want to have a bat mitzvah. Come on, we want to be more Jewish, you know? Mm. And and they brought me back in and uh, brought us as a family back in. So, so even if it means going back into a religion that you have some bad feelings about in the past, look at that. But if you, if you want to see it not as religious, then just see it as soul and spirit and what it, what connects us to all of the universe. Um, see it that way. Yeah. And for me, it, it's also about connecting a child to that child's purpose in life. Why am I here? Uh, what good can I contribute to society based on the gifts and talents that I have? It's really given them a deep meaning and purpose that will guide them and lead them. And, uh, you know, for me, I come at it from the perspective of a Christian. You come at it in part from the perspective of a, a practicing Jew. And But there are a lot of different ways for people to do that. What we're trying to advocate here is however you do it, give your children a deep-rooted sense of purpose that they are here for a reason, and they are here to uh, to make a positive impact on the world. And, and that'll open them up to all kinds of wonder-filled opportunities for shaping their lives and uh, and helping to recreate the world around them. It will, and at the here at the you know New Year's Eve or in holiday dinners or or in our hopefully weekly dinners that families are having, this is a very important topic. Uh, at least once a week, hopefully more, to talk about around the dinner table or to talk about as you're driving to the grocery store. This question of meaning and this question of purpose of why am I here? Uh, you know, a ten year old. I mean, I talk to my ten year old daughters about it. You can talk to a 10-year-old about it, right? I mean, you can be saying, why are you here? What do you think your purpose is? And this also goes back to if all the kids are doing is getting entertained, they're not going to develop purpose. So we do have to, I think, at a strategic level, strategy-wise, have the conversation constantly with them about purpose and meaning. 2019 is going to be a great year. And uh, we're looking forward to being a part of it with you as you're raising your children to be wonder-filled, as you are experiencing the wonder of parenting. And uh, we've been so uh, blessed and amazed at your response to the show that we really are working hard uh, to help you go deeper if you want to. And a couple opportunities we want to draw your attention to before we close out for today. Um, Michael has created a Gurian community. And you can access that on our website, wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com. And it's a subscription-based program, $10 a month. You can jump in or out anytime. But we offer some things there that you can't get anywhere else just to take you deeper. And, uh, you know, parenting is for such a short period of time. We want to give you every resource that we can. So, Michael, what are some of the things that people will get for that $10 a month from you? Yeah, video clips, they can't get anywhere else. Uh, Members-only video clips, members-only tools, written material, uh, and members-only podcasts. And then there's a service set up because a lot of people ask me questions and I get so many questions I can't answer them all um, via email. But people who join uh, Patreon, uh, we have have a setup where I can answer your questions there and we can answer your questions. Uh, So like four or five things you can't get anywhere else. And as you say, it's only 10 bucks a month. So it's like, Two lattes. <laughs> and and you and I also do one extra podcast that you can't hear anywhere else except through Patreon. Exactly. Uh, that takes us deeper as well. So here's a great New Year's resolution for you. Uh, Ten bucks a month. Try it for three, four months and uh, see if it's helpful for you. We think it will be. Uh, the other resource that we want to draw your attention to is uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to start a multi-episode uh, series on raising girls and boys in a Me Too world. 
And we're going to use as our template a new resource that I've written. It's a short ebook, about 24 pages, called Raising Sons in a Hashtag Me Too World. And even though it's written from the perspective of parents of boys, uh, the secondary off, um, audience are those of you who are raising daughters. And you'll both find the book extremely helpful. But we're going to use that as a starting point for our conversation. So I want to encourage you to get a head start. Uh, it'll cover some things we don't cover in the podcast, and the podcast will cover things we don't cover in the ebook. You can get it on Amazon. Or you can go to our website, and it's in the uh, Wonder of Parenting resources, and uh, get a head start, and then uh, we'll do kind of a book study, but we'll go beyond that as well coming up in a few weeks. Next week, however, uh, I'm going to get very personal. I'm going to tell the story of my journey with anxiety and panic attacks, and we're going to do so from the perspective of how to see it in our children and to help children who are wrestling with anxiety, uh, really in an age of anxiety. And so we hope you'll join us again. If you haven't subscribed, you can do so at wonderofparenting.com. Michael, anything you want to say to folks as we enter into the new year before we close out for today? Well, first of all, I want to put in a plug for the Me Too book. I mean, I've read I've read Tim's ebook, and it's really really good. So I hope people Thank will you. grab that absolutely. And um, yeah, and and of course, I want to say Happy New Year's to you and your family, and then to all of our listeners, Happy New Year to all of you. Uh, I, I I joined Tim in saying this podcasting adventure has been wonderful, and thanks for joining us in it. And, and you know, really really great New Year to everybody. We will be with you next Monday. You have a good New Year's Eve, a good New Year's week, and we will see you next week when we talk about anxiety in your children. Happy New Year. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money.